Hello and welcome to the Poet Prophetic Podcast. Last week, I dished it out to George W. Bush. Remember him? But today, I turn my attention to Mr. Trump, concluding with Congresswoman Rashida Tlaib calling him a motherfucker. But first, here's something from the beginning of his reign. I hope you'll excuse my efforts at voicing Mr. Trump. I don't claim to be a Trump impersonator, but I have attempted to catch something of his spirit. This is called The Citizenship Candidate. The man seated behind the desk had a kind face that radiated benevolence. His head was bald. He wore a robe of coarse grey cloth, and as he peered over his round spectacles at the new entrant to his office, his voice had a welcoming lilt. Come in, he offered. Where am I? said his guest. Oh, don't you know, this is heaven border protection. Nobody told me, said the man. He was of average height, portly, with a heavy face, drooping lips, and hair that looked like a pile of hastily stacked straw. Oh, said the man at the desk. You were sent a message, several actually. I don't read fake news, the portly man replied. The man at the desk paused, a momentary look of confusion on his face. Oh, well, never mind, he continued. Allow me to introduce myself. My name is Peter, guardian of the keys of heaven. What's that got to do with me? Well, you were picked up trying to cross the border, and the angel who took you here insists you are an illegal immigrant. So, you see, we have a situation. Kellyanne! Where's Kellyanne? Who? Kellyanne, my counsellor. Kellyanne, where are you, baby? There is no one by that name here, but if having a female interviewer would make you more comfortable... Is she hot? Well, we do have good climate controls here, so... Can I grab her pussy? I beg your pardon? Grab her pussy? Mr. Trump, please try to understand the seriousness of your situation. You have been apprehended trying to get across the border into heaven, and salacious remarks like that will not earn you any favours with a female interviewer. When you're a celebrity, they'll let you do anything? Ah, well, you see, we don't really go in for celebrity culture here. We're more, how shall I put it, democratic, egalitarian, you might say. So a female interviewer would certainly not let you do what you have in mind. Then she's a nasty woman. A what? A nasty woman because she doesn't want to be grabbed, as you put it? That's right. She's got blood coming out of her eyes, blood coming out of her wherever. Uh, Mr. Trump, let's forego the idea of finding you a female interviewer. You'll just have to make do with me. And now then, in order to qualify for citizenship in heaven, we run a series of tests. Sean, I want Sean. Who? Sean Spicer, my press secretary, he'll tell you. Uh, tell me what? How big I am. I'm really big. I'm huge. The biggest ever. Mr. Trump, please try to understand the nature of our discourse today. Nobody is impugning your size. I'm huge. I'm massive. No one's as big as me. Well, be that as it may, we need to discuss your citizenship status. The angel who brought you in insists you are an interloper and that you have no recourse to asylum. 
fake news, the system's rigged. And that you are head of a corporate cartel. He's a liar. Mr. Trump. Just more very dishonest media. And Mr. Trump. Disgusting and corrupt. Mr. Trump, says Peter, finally slamming his fist down on the desk. I am a patient man, but you are about the most exasperating individual ever to set foot in my office. For your information, the angel we are talking about is none other than Gabriel, and he is not to be slandered. Oh, he's a beauty. Oh dear, I can see where this is going. I'll just have to ask him to come here in person. It's most irregular, but in your case... Trump looks for an intercom in front of Peter, but apart from a thick folder lying on the desk, its surface is bare. Gabriel, says Peter wearily in little more than a whisper. With that, a man instantly appears at Peter's side, a phenomenon so startling that Trump almost falls off his chair. But when he sees the man's unspectacular appearance, his fears are quickly assuaged. This new person in the room looks harmless enough, standing at rest, and, like Peter, dressed in a simple robe, though the fierce glare he fixes on Trump does have an unsettling effect on the interviewee. Thank you for coming at such short notice, Gabriel. As you can see, we have before us one Donald J. Trump. He says that your statements about him are... How did you put it, Mr. Trump? Fake news, disgusting and corrupt. At this, Peter casts a sidelong glance at Gabriel, almost wincing in anticipation of the angel's reaction. But Gabriel remains calm, at least outwardly, almost menacingly so. I see, says the angel. And would Mr. Trump care to explain the nature of his objection? First of all, Trump begins, slightly unnerved, as Gabriel tilts his head slightly to the side to listen. First of all, he can't be an angel as he doesn't have wings. Peter chuckles. Mr. Trump, you can't seriously expect a cherub to manifest himself to any human being in his full form. You would be dead. Dear, 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 you express appalling ignorance in the ways of heaven, especially for one who is seeking entry. Do you have any other reason to doubt the veracity of the being who stands before you? Yes, he looks. Trump pauses momentarily. Now Gabriel's head tilts the other way. Like a Muslim. This time, Peter erupts in laughter. <laughs> and how does a Muslim look, Mr. Trump? He's got dark skin. At this, Peter gasps, his eyes widening as he again looks at the glowering Gabriel. Taking a moment to recover his composure, he tries to defuse the situation. Well, when one stands in the presence of God, one does tend to get a bit of a suntan. But in all seriousness, Mr. Trump... You should know that we don't go in for those kinds of religious distinctions, let alone colour distinctions, that so occupy the minds of men. We are all brethren here, and though men look, and I'm afraid judge, based on outward appearances and meaningless religious labels, the Lord looks at the heart, and it is your heart that is in question here today. So please try to pay attention to the citizenship test which I am about to administer.
Kellyanne? Where's Kellyanne? Like I said before, there is no one here by that name. Now, if you could just focus on the following questions. Mexican? Are you Mexican? Trump now says to the angel. They're criminals, rapists. I see. Peter interjects. Well, I see no need for further inquiry into this matter. I've heard quite enough. Gabriel, please be so kind as to convey Mr. Trump to the care of Lucifer without further delay. My pleasure, replies the angel calmly. And you might want to let Mr. Trump see your wings. Gabriel nods in reply. Well, Mr. Trump, says Peter, rising from his seat, this has been most illuminating, but our discourse is at an end. Permanently. I'll dispense with the usual formalities such as saying farewell or God bless you or any of that. In your case, none of them applies. With that, Peter turns his back on Mr. Trump and exits through the wall as if it wasn't there. The interviewee's jaw drops, but his astonishment is as nothing compared to the deep dread that grips him as Gabriel starts to transform. For just the briefest moment, the angel locks eyes with his charge, a slight grin on his face, before his entire being starts to glow the colour of burning gold. Then the angel surges upward to great height, two great wings unfurling from his side, and his eyes appear as blazing fire looking upon the quaking mortal at his feet. Then, with a pair of enormous tongs, the angel picks up the trembling frame of the man and takes off with lightning speed. Of course, by the time he has reached the fiery pit, the man is long since dead. There, the angel squeezes the body with the tongs, extruding a slimy soul. At this, a pair of claw-like hands reach up to grab the pussy and draw him down into the unquenchable flames of hell. That was my reading of The Citizenship Candidate from my Verses Verses Empire series. Get it? It's a homonym. Volume 3, The Trump Era. The series dates back to 2001 when George W. Bush ascended to the White House. This assault and all that is good and holy goaded me into writing political poetry in the first place. Bush was also the reason I got fired from a newscasting job in Beijing in 2007 when I refused to call him President Bush after he stole two elections. You can read all about that and my adventures in China over ten years in my book Dueling the Dragon. But let's go back now to 2001. At the time I was living in Brooklyn, and on September the 11th of that year, I watched from my rooftop as the towers in Lower Manhattan collapsed. Three weeks later, I wrote, Aftermath. Alas, three weeks have passed, none else alive. The air is stained yet with the stench of death. The subterranean fires still feast and thrive to mingle with the living remnant's breath. Twelve fathom deep, into a stinking hole, men swim through filth, one beating heart to find, and, in reflection of the shepherd's roll, would not leave any of the flock behind.
For a short while, a Gothic site was kept. The vestige of man's power stood as an altar, where rescuers into the fire had leapt to spare their kin. Their courage did not falter. Now flint-faced firemen their tears have shed upon the rubble shrine, and workers toil to close the moor of hell that glutton fed on human flesh and cleanse the sullied soil. We face the fathomless iniquity Wordsworth foresaw in Augury's remark, clothed in the nature of infinity, suffering is permanent, obscure and dark. How did they dare? How did they dare to maim God's image in mankind and so conspire? How did they dare, in blaspheming the name of God, tear down the multilingual spire? We genteel citizens in Union Square discuss the crisis and propound our hunch how terrorists are ousted from their lair while ashes tumble on our peacetime brunch. And I, observing from a far-off screen, the spoils of spectacle may idly reap. Look in the mirror, contemplate and preen, retire to bed and hold my manhood cheap. The official narrative of 9-11 would have us believe that the whole thing was masterminded and coordinated by Osama bin Laden from Afghanistan. This poem is called On Her Majesty's Secret Service. Miss Moneypenny, radiant as ever, says Bond with his characteristic charm. You best get in there, James. Why, Moneypenny, you must have read my mind. Oh, get in there. In mock exasperation, she replies, M's in a real state, been on the phone all day with the Prime Minister he has. Door opens. Bond, Her Majesty's agent, licensed to kill, enters the room. Ah, Bond, come in. Matter of greatest urgency. Bin Laden, hiding in Afghanistan. A vicious fellow, devilish piece of work. Blows up civilians, hijacks planes, kills children. Works with the Taliban. A nasty lot. I haven't seen the like of them since Spectre. The CIA's been after him for years. To no avail, of course. It's up to you. Your job is to destroy him at all costs. He's bad news, Bond, and you're the best we've got. Now, get along to Q and get your gadgets. Deep in the secret testing area, Bond enters. Morning, Q. Where are my gadgets? Oh, grow up, 007. Devices, that's what we call them nowadays. Devices. The usual tricks, a missile-guiding watch, a magic carpet for those airborne missions that folds to pocket size and can be worn to render you invisible, a staff that turns into a snake, that sort of thing. Just try to bring them all back in one piece. You know the rest. Bond always gets his man, whether Goldfinger, Dr. No or Jaws. Prevail, Bond, James Bond, handsome and brave, and bring the foe to his unhallowed grave. The 9-11 fiction, combined with many other fictions, led to the US invasion of Iraq, in which Bush was sycophantically supported by then-British Prime Minister Tony Blair, so with the alliterative keywords Bush, Blair,
Blair, Basra, and Baghdad, I wrote, Beware. Those bosom buddies, Bush and Tony Blair, by boys brought from boot camp to battle barracks, by cluster bombs, blockades, and bunker busters, have blistered, blinded, blitzkrieged, bludgeoned, blasted, blockaded, blown up, blundered, blighted, butchered, barraged, besieged, breached, broken, brutalized, besmeared, besmirched, burned, Basra and Baghdad, bearing the beer moths, ballistic brunt, barbarity unbound, bang for the buck, breeding a backlash, boomerang, backfire, because a blood-stained burglar, bankrupt, base, in bestial blood-guilt, bare-faced blasphemy, that born-again Beelzebub, betrayed, Batman with his bum-bandit British bitch boy-wonder backing with his bollocks, buggers, blood-brothers bond of battery, biochem, brainwashing bastards, blatant, both to blame, by blind ambition, brutal bravado, belligerent, bombastic, bellicose, bland, boring, bleary, brazen, bad, banal, barren, with bilious, baleful, babbling bias of balderdash, Blair's Blair and Bush's bullshit. Since then, the poisonous seed has continued to grow through a series of emperors in residence at the White House, and Obama is no exception. I finish with this, commenting on new Congresswoman Rashida Tlaib's use of an expletive to describe Donald Trump. This poem is called Discursive. Rashida Tlaib's a naughty girl. Republicans cry foul that she used a curse word to diss Donald Trump and preaching pundits howl. One of George Carlin's seven words they will not use on TV. Bleep-worthy expletives that shock and offend each gnat-straining Pharisee. Let Trump utter boasts of sexual assault, downplayed as locker-room banter, but you'll be condemned if you dare to speak out or call him a stupid wanker. Let children be kidnapped and perish in jail, her planet and species die, while worship's decorum would have us believe a curse word is worse than a lie. Let Trump disrespect the entire global south and rattle off shithole countries. He claims to speak for the United States, so let us call him a country. Language is free, as Eden once was, until do not was pronounced. But Christ nailed the law above his own head, though hypocrites still denounce. Arise, nasty women, arise, nasty girls, let fly your nastiest speech. If your cause be divine, never mind how you say it, till that motherfucker's impeached. Now I close out this episode, as I always do, by announcing a book giveaway on Amazon. Today, Sunday, January the 13th, it's Versus Versus Empire. Get it? It's a homonym. Volume 3, The Trump Era. It's not necessarily a cover-to-cover -cover read. You can browse it if you prefer. 
But however you choose to read it, of course, I would love to have your review. And you can buy the entire series, with volumes 1 and 2 covering the Bush and Obama eras respectively, on Amazon. Until next week, this has been Abdiel Leroy. Thank you.